Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds from the studios of WBNS FM Radio in Columbus, Ohio. It's the Nerd Association Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Barnett. And I'm your other host, Mark Finch. And here on the Nerd Association Podcast, we like to inform you that we're just cool now. We've, <laughs> we've ramped that up. We're just cool. We've gotten all, there. We've made it. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, yes. I'm going to jump right in. Well, we'll explain the format after I jump right in. Or should we do the format first? No, jump think? right in. We can jump right in. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you think of when I say the two words, Kevin and sitcom? Well, I think uh, if I had, if I didn't know what the uh, what the premise of this week's show was, I would probably think Kevin James. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the famous for the King of Queens being one of those sort of uh, formulaic husband and wife sitcom, hapless right. husband sitcoms. Um, I know he was in a show called Kevin Can Wait more recently that I heard mm-hmm. fairly mixed reviews about. Uh, <laughs> there seems to be like I the older ones, you know, there's friends and then you can go back to Seinfeld and you can go back to Cheers and all the way up to me, for me, at least like How I Met Your Mother were sitcoms that I could get into when you're talking about like the 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 three camera laugh yeah. track soundstage, those kind of sitcoms that uh, I could get into. And since probably that like early to mid 2000s range when How I Met Your Mother came out, I think laugh track sitcoms are just the worst material you can watch. Well, and when you talk about Kevin James and like The King of Queens in particular, that's a very specific type of sitcom that's like, again, the sort of hapless husband sitcom that sort of started with All in the Family back in the day. Archie Bunker was probably the mm-hmm. one of the stereotypes. Of course, more recently, you have like Family Guy as the animated version of that. And it's always some sort of big, dumb, bumbling husband with a wife that's way too attractive for him slash too smart for him. Um, yes. And then, you know, the the sort of antics that they get into or that, you know, happen around their relationship. And um, and as you said, it's that sort of like the living room is usually and the kitchen are the main sets most of the time. There's the three camera. Yep. There's, you know, uh, the laugh track sort of thing. And uh, but I but we're not talking about Kevin James, I don't think. Uh, and no. <laughs> other than other than right now. Uh, and we're not talking about uh, about I think anything that's uh, prototypical, except you know, except maybe in the first few minutes you might think. But anyway, let's stop beating around the bush. We're talking. And I guess we should establish right now. Do we want the explicit rating on this episode, or are we going to um, be referring to this show? Are we saying this is Kevin can f himself, or are we saying Kevin can fuck himself? Because <laughs> I'm not going to go back through and bleep everything. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I I was going to go with Kevin can F himself because I feel like that's officially the title. Yeah, it's how it's stylized. Yeah, so that's why I was going with that. I'm not averse to saying the F word, but I th- yeah. I was going to go with Kevin can F himself. That's how I've been referring to it. I think technically it's Kevin can F asterisk asterisk K himself. <laughs> so it's like... Anyway, it's that show. It's the it's Kevin Kniff himself. Like I said, let's try to avoid the the explicit tag if we can help it. Um, and that's so that's what we're talking about today. And but there's another sort of twist. We're not just talking about it. Uh, Chops, you had this idea for maybe a new sort of mini series or a new sort of segment on this show. Do you want to explain to everyone your new idea? Yeah. So we're gonna call it binge or cringe, and it's where. 
either you or I, or maybe a guest, somebody comes in with a show that they really like, that they've seen all of it. Or in this case, I watched the whole first season or they've watched it multiple times, whatever, a show you, you like, and you would like somebody else to watch it. And you know how hit and miss recommending shows to people can be. Sure. So the idea is the other one goes and watches a couple episodes, gets the feel of the show. Then they come in and they decide whether or not they're into it or not. And whether it's binge or cringe, and then you kind of go back and forth. And if it's cringe, maybe the one who likes it tries to convince the other one to watch more of it. Sure. I, I think we run into this problem um, on this show a lot where uh, often you have watched. A, and this is, a, is this an example of that where you've watched a whole season of a show and you're like, man, it's so good. I am a person who I admit I'm like I'm reticent to start new shows because it's a time commitment. Right. Yeah. Um, and especially this is a, an instance where it's, you know, the first season, it's not that hard to catch up. Um people who have come to me and said like uh, one I've gotten from my nerd friends is like, Oh, you'd love doctor who, except there's like 60 years worth of doctor <laughs> who at this point. Like I'm not, I'm not going to catch up on it. Um, yeah. so, uh, but I, I like this idea because yeah, then I can come in and say like, I've watched a few episodes and vice versa. As you said, sometimes it will go the other direction depending on, on what sort of we're talking about. So the, so binge or cringe today is Kevin can F himself. And I'm going to, before we do you want to reveal that this up front what i thought is the idea that if i say cringe you could convince me otherwise throughout the course of the show is that the idea i thought that's yeah the idea that you give your verdict first okay and then i try to change it by the end of the podcast so i let me say that before i watched the show and you explained to me a little bit about what the premise was because at first i was like why chops you know i'm not gonna like some like formulaic sitcom this is not gonna yes. land and you're like no 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 it's it's got a different thing going on it's kind of like and, and the way you described it to me it was a little bit like a little wandavision and that like there's this sort of yeah. sort of meta narrative going on underneath the sort of thing we are to understand is much more like a television show and so um my verdict is well and i should say I went in and watched some shows from the middle of the season because so often with a show, first few episodes, they're not a wash, but they don't hit their stride. And I wanted to give this the maximum chance of me liking it. It's sort of like the best part of a movie is never the first act. Right. Exactly. And so, and, and that might not be the case with this. We can talk about that, but um, my verdict is binge actually, uh, in a way, and I wasn't expecting it, but I am, I'm, I'm intrigued in a big way. And I think it's worth talking to the audience about like what the premise is and what turns this whole, uh, you know, hapless husband sitcom thing on its head. Yeah. So the, the premise is something that, that caught me right away. Cause I could tell from the promotional materials and this is being promoted fairly well, um amc is trying to get it off the ground but it's starring annie uh annie murphy mm -hmm. and she's one of the cast members from schitt's creek which is in the last year or two one of the hottest shows that there's been right at least from the comedy standpoint so this is one of really the first major follow-up from anybody in the cast as far as like another television show so they were kind of pushing it and i'd seen some of the stuff and okay i kind of got a little bit of a feel for it and what she was saying then when i turned on the first episode it starts in the flat sitcom look. Yeah. And it, it had me a little, you know, kind of turning my head. I was like, this isn't 
what I was expecting, but I, I feel like maybe there's a hook. What's going to happen? Cause you turn it on bright, saturated colors, big studio lights, laugh track, it, as I mentioned flat, but it's, you know, it's the three camera style and it just looks like your everyday sitcom, like a Kevin James sitcom yeah. who I really, that's who I think the husband is based on Kevin James characters. And that's why it's called Kevin can F himself. Kevin can wait. Yeah. I feel like that that's pretty on the nose, but it, it works. It, it helps you get into, into that mindset. Then she leaves the room and you kind and then it then it clicks like okay there is something different. She leaves the room, colors drop out, desaturate everything. It's got that raw, more single camera look, yeah. and you realize that you don't realize exactly how it works at first, but you know that there's something where in certain instances it's going to be this sitcom hunky dory world, and in other instances it's going to be more like the real world. Well, and I think this this the sort of premise up front is. We like to think of these hapless husband sitcoms as being like, oh, what a goof. Like, uh, and then the, the wife almost always is like somebody who they're often the butt of the joke, but they're usually portrayed as being able to take the joke because for whatever reason, they love their big dumb husband. Just kind of, yeah, sit in the corner and tap their toe and say, ah, oh, you, and then ah, episode ends. But but this show kind of um, presents the idea like, hey, guys, what if that's actually abuse? Uh, like, yeah. like what, what if, if actually, like that guy sucks? Yeah. What if actually that guy really does suck and it's not funny. And so, yeah, we follow Allison who is played by Annie Murphy, the wife of Kevin, who's played by Eric Peterson as she sort of deals with her husband's uh, abusive behavior. He's completely clueless. He's neglectful. He's making all these irresponsible decisions. And like, in a show, in a traditional sitcom, we would kind of be like, oh, that goof. And then actually, she's like, no, he spent our life savings. Like, he doesn't listen to me. He'd rather hang out with his friends and do their stupid schemes than do anything with me. Right. Later on in the in this, you know, season, he, it's even like she doesn't answer her phone, so he calls the cops. And and there's this moment where, you know, where they're, they've been pulled over by the police and it's a scary situation because they have engaged in some illegal activity. Uh, and, and when I say they, I mean, uh, I mean, Allison and her friend, Patty. Who is also friend in the Kevin group. That's kind of why they yeah. hang out. But then as the season goes on, Allison and Patty kind of link up a little bit more. Right. But there's this, you know, they, where, where she finally returns his phone call. She hasn't been answering her phone. Uh, Allison hasn't. And they play it off that, like, Kevin's so concerned. He's like, I pictured you in, like, the trunk of somebody driving away in my car. And there's the laugh track. And you realize, like, oh, yeah. this dude, like, his wife wouldn't answer the phone. So he called the cops and reported his car stolen. Which either means that he really wasn't listening and did not remember that she had the car. Or that he used, the like, the long arm of the law to make his wife listen to him. Which, in either case, abuse. And that's when the concept works the best when there are two scenes either back to back or whatever, where they're really juxtaposing like the, here's what you normally see in the sitcom. Right. Here's what it's like if you were really experiencing what you see on these types of shows. Yeah. And it, and it does work brilliantly and it takes that hapless husband sitcom, not to keep using that term, but it, you know, what it else takes that it? sheen off of it completely. Well, and it mixes it with, I got big breaking bad vibes from this show and Fargo vibes from this show. Um, and it, you know, it, 
mixes in that kind of thing so well where there's this subplot or what what ends up you know allison really is the star of the show uh or the Mm -hmm. main character of the show even though it's at first it's set up as being about the husband it's kevin who can f himself exactly it's it's about allison (laughs) um and again i mean it has big time breaking bad vibes and then it kind of reminds you of the thing like with Anna Gunn's character and Skylar in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Where like first, you know, everybody you, you you grow with the character Walter White and you you feel like you're on his side, but he's like, but he's technically an anti-hero. And then there were there was so much backlash to her right. as that show went on because she was like getting in the way of him becoming a drug kingpin and, and like it was just when you really take a step back and think about it, it's like, no, actually, he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it does sort of give you that transformation of the sort of doting wife mm-hmm. who gets in on the illegal activity and actually kind of ends up being as brutal, if not more brutal. As the, as the season goes on, you get a little more uncomfortable with being in her corner. Yeah. You're, you still don't like Kevin. They don't like do anything to redeem him. But as it goes on in the thing, you know, it's it's like dominoes. And it's one of those dominoes where each one is bigger. And she's as she keeps going down this road, she's not turning back. It, the, the stuff she's getting into keeps getting more serious and bigger. I kind of think of that scene again in the in the episode four where they're uh, Allison talks about how it would be so it would be glamorous to be a truck driver when she sees that the guy's from North Dakota and uh, Patty's like North Dakota is not glamorous. It's just, you know, same. It's the same shit there. And she's yeah. like, well, what about like blah? She names a few places and like she ends up saying like talking about Paris and Patty's like, no, there's shit everywhere. It kind of makes you realize like even like so if if uh, if Kevin is like North Dakota, even if Allison is like the Paris, right? of that Mm -hmm. sort of analogy it's all still shitty (laughs) it's just all (laughs) shitty in its own way yeah and it it starts to illustrate too why uh not annie allison feels so trapped in all of this and why she's going to the lengths she's going with i think slight spoiler alert but it's really in the first few episodes i think it's fair to give off the the information that as she's been pushed pushed to her limit you mentioned life-saving spent kevin is always doing stupid stuff ignoring her doesn't seem to care about her wants or needs at all in the slightest she's been pushed to the brink and she has devised a plan to murder her husband and make it look like an accident so that i don't know i i guess maybe to get the insurance but really she just doesn't want to go to jail yeah well and it's interesting that you know given we i said breaking bad and i think part of the reason is because her initial plot is to have him overdose on oxycodone which Mm -hmm. is is this show's real dark because not only is it like oh the 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 wife that has reached her limit and wants to kill her husband like she's playing into the opioid epidemic like this show yes like straight up is like oh you know you could given the way things are especially in working class towns it's set in worcester massachusetts and like uh you know you could you could easily have some working class guy all of a sudden just overdose on on opioids and it wouldn't be that crazy the way they do that and they show that when she's at the she's at the library and she tries to tap a guy on the shoulder and it turns out he's dead and yeah. the people come in and they're like oh he overdosed and, and they're like happens all the time and she's like but he doesn't look like you know he doesn't right. look like a drug a drug guy you know or you know somebody just on the streets or anything and like that was a really good way to illustrate that a really good show don't tell 
yeah way to to do that that like you know even though it was sort of like telling in their conversation i really that's yeah that brings it that brings it in and that's something that like the the difference between the sitcom and the what allison is going through when she's not around kevin that they do it really does feel real yeah and you know the the raw type stuff that you know sometimes is overplayed but i think they just do a really good job in this one of you know it just that's what some people might feel like yeah no i i thought especially because it's juxtaposed with the sitcom thing but i mean really they're dealing with real world issues of you know neglect and abuse and uh and it doesn't feel talking down to like an like an episode of law and order sometimes does you know what i mean like where it's (laughs) well because it's from it's from the perspective of the person who's like getting mixed up in this world of crime to do it but it's also those moments to me of them figuring out uh a fit like figuring out how to do a crime are equal mm-hmm. parts harrowing and also funny because of how fish out of water they are. Um, you know, there's that the term that they call them custy, which is like you look like a drug customer. You don't look like somebody who knows right. what they're doing. There's also the bit where their schemes are much more are much realer and they're kind of fumbling through them. Yes. And Kevin's schemes are the stupidest thing you've ever heard, but in the sitcom world, they work. Right. He like ends up like, you know, for the most part, they work. They, there's always like a little joke about it. But, it, you know, he seems to be working through his schemes and she can't even get what seems like a simple thing done. It's it, it's crazy if you were to watch the first episode and just the last episode. Yeah. You'd be like, how did she get here? But as you're watching it, the steps make sense. And it, yeah, like you said, it kind of just shows how somebody might get into that world and how quickly it can get out of control. Yeah. And, and you, again, I, I have a, a more limited frame of reference. Cause as I said, I watched a few episodes in the middle and read some plot synopses, but yeah, you have a really good point about, uh, you know, in the middle of the season, there's this escape room plot with Kevin and his friend and his dad, where they're trying to make money, which by the way, they put $10,000 on the line. And given the context of him spending the life savings, they don't have that money. And he's like, no, in a situation to potentially put them even further in the hole, uh, and then right. that, but that, that plot, that scheme is juxtaposed with Allison and Patty trying to get oxycodone pills in, in Vermont. And mm-hmm. as you said, like the schemes run parallel to one another and they each have their hiccups and their things. And in the end, yeah, you're right. Patty and Allison's pay off accidentally. <laughs> um, and Kevin does find a way not to lose the house savings and like let the house burn down. And I guess keep whatever those people played, paid admission to sure. the escape room. But definitely not the way they planned it. And definitely in a way that was really dangerous compared to sort of the way they thought things would go. I'm glad you brought up the escape room part too, because that's something that I think they did a really good job of this is there. It's clearly meant to be a satire, but they didn't like phone in the sitcom stuff. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of those shows. I don't think they're, they're obviously not meant to be highbrow in any way. And that's not a bad thing. And a lot of people enjoy them, but they still, if you watch them, if you put them on, I'll probably chuckle a few times. And that's what I find in this, in the sitcom parts, there's a few jokes in there that I think are okay. And if you just piece together those parts, you might think you're watching a normal sitcom. There'd probably be gaps in the story and you'd be a little confused, but it looks, it looks and feels 
like a normal sitcom and that that joke where they bring in the people to do the escape room and then they're like immediately the best escape room people yeah that one got a laugh out of me yeah no you're right the 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 thing that is definitely the meant to be the I don't know that it's even meant to be the joke. It's it's just, as you said, produced like a sitcom. And I'm sure they brought in people that had worked on sitcoms or at least yeah. you know, knew knew that style and that kind of writing. And yeah, it, it holds up. It's not, there's nothing lazy about it, even though it's not the part of the show that you end up sort of focusing more on or being more interested in. Um, yeah. But, but, but so perfectly illustrates, again, this concept that we've been half-heartedly chuckling at a lot of these shows for years and maybe it's not really as funny as and if you go back and i mean certainly if you go back and watch all in the family like archie bunker is an abusive racist and if you even if you watch something like family guy which i know is a cartoon and is a little different but like peter griffin is a terrible person (laughs) and it's it's one of those situations too where you have to think like hmm if I just knew this guy and heard of his stories and like, maybe I would think they're funny and everything. But when you, yeah, when you get the peek in and you get the real world uh, juxtaposition right there with it, you're yeah. like, man, nah, he really does suck. Well, and Patty even says like, as an outside observer, you know, Allison is telling the story of how she got a job and she finally felt like she had some self-worth and Kevin ruined it for her and got her fired. And Patty was like, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like, I guess we did laugh at that at the time because we just thought it yeah. was so like it was so ridiculous. And it's like, no, actually wasn't funny at all. <laughs> um, and, and in that case, sort of Patty is simultaneously the like the the shadow version of Allison, the like person who is a little bit more savvy to the world of, you know, buying and selling drugs and that kind of stuff. She's a little bit more sa- savvy, but then yeah. she's also on the flip side of that coin, completely oblivious to the sort of sitcom quote unquote reality that Allison's been living in. So they, and, yeah, she was a, she other. was a participant, yeah. a, a participant in the sitcom reality right. as well. Exactly. Kind of, she was, she's breaking off more and more. And as the, as it goes on, I was like, well, who brings out the sitcom? When is it right. sitcom? Cause it's not always just Kevin. It seems to be the three guys, right? Kevin, Neil, and Pete, who is Kevin's father. Right. Exactly. They're always together. They're the ones hatching the schemes. They're the ones doing the the normal sitcom stuff. And if they're in a scene, it's sitcom. Something that I thought was interesting is almost always in the in the hapless husband sitcoms, there's their kids, right? Um, and it, I thought it was interesting yeah. that in this case, like, and I don't even think it was bad. I just thought it was an interesting choice for them to make this a, like a childless marriage. Because that does seem like what they would do is like throw in the line like, oh, and then Kevin knocked me up and then we moved in together and now we're married and this is our life now. Like that seems like the easy thing they would do. Yeah, right. That's so often in these kind of shows because you always are like, why is this big, stupid galoot of a man with this like intelligent, funny, hot wife? And it's all. Yeah. And why doesn't she just. Yeah. Why didn't she just leave him? Why didn't she just get a divorce? But I think that's even more interesting. Right. Because in this situation, she could. She mm-hmm. could just, I mean, it would, there would be very little, li, very little fallout. She currently doesn't have any money with them. Except, not, you that, know, she's, except that she's a, essentially a battered wife. And there's that whole, mm-hmm. you know, that almost a Stockholm syndrome thing that comes from abusive relationships where it's like, well, she has been so sheltered, isn't the right word, but so, so contained, so sort of caged that she doesn't know what it's like to be free and that that's just yeah. as scary. 
And that kind of goes back to um, yeah. your Breaking Bad comparison. And this is more of a, a Jesse one in this one. But she has this feeling that Kevin always wins. Right. He can't keep doing this, but he just keeps winning. And no matter what I do, he comes out with the upper hand in our relationship or in his life. Yeah. And this is where I think the sitcom formula is interesting, right? Because by the end of the episode in a sitcom, things are usually set right. Even if the even if the the husband has made all these terrible choices, it's usually there's something that fixes it, right? And they do a great job of that with the sitcom parts because the sitcom parts new story every week, right? Whereas the Allison parts are a continue a continuation of the story, yeah. Whereas every sitcom part, yeah, Kevin just has a new scheme every week, and that's how a sitcom is. It's basically just one contained story and the episodic. That's the word. We know that word. Right. We've said that word. <laughs> I do think it's interesting, too. Read some stuff about the final episode and felt like I needed to watch at least some bits and pieces and how by the end of the season, there is that in that final scene, there's that blurring of the line between the sitcom and the reality, right? Because you mentioned, like, oh, if, if Kevin or Neil or Pete are in the scene, it's almost always a sitcom. Mm -hmm. And there's that moment at the end of the season where uh, Neil confronts Allison about having heard everything that they just, that she and Patty just talked about incriminating themselves, like about trying to kill Kevin and all that stuff. He comes out of the, of the, like the uh, pantry in the kitchen and they play it off for laughs. And he's like, Oh, I was hide playing hide and seek and blah, blah, blah. But then he like pins her to the counter and starts choking her. And it's still in the sitcom. It's still yes, in the sitcom. When I saw that, I would say, you know, based on how much media and stuff there is now, not too many things like look shocking when you're watching them on screen. Cause there's just been so many things violence wise yeah. and everything. Not that they might not be horrific, but not like that, like with, with it still having the sitcom sheen to it and watching that, it was almost jaw dropping to yeah. me the way that looks. Cause you would never, that your, your mind is so trained to watch those shows. You know what you're expecting from those shows. And you, you'd never see something like that in that show. And so, yeah, that really was like, wow, to me. I, I, and I thought that was a really effective use of their whole concept. Well, and depictions of violence like that in media are so often shaky cam. The camera's right up in someone's point of view. You, you kind of can't, you can, assume things about it but so often you don't actually i mean they filmed it in bright light a fully lit wide angle shot precisely yeah and that made it all the more shocking that like oh this thing is this thing is happening and yeah it's it's the blurring of the lines and then that's when patty comes in and bashes neil on the head with a beer bottle and it's immediately snaps back to the sort of washed out colors more intimate shots and things and mm-hmm. the lines are suddenly blurred. And I'm interested to see how that transfers into a season yeah, two. And, and that was a really interesting piece with it because that was a question I had watching it. I was like, not really a question. It was a thought. I was like, somebody has to break out of the sitcom right. to like make this work. Something has to happen where they break out of the sitcom and they're not in the, the sitcom shots anymore. And there it is. That's what happens. Yeah. And it's, I guess the more the more realistic consequences of your actions is maybe what does it because like really hard to play. Yeah, but I mean, it's probably it's definitely been done getting hit with a bottle as a joke. Yeah, but not in this show. And you'll have to fill in some gaps for me here. 
in the episode where the attempted burglary like slash hit happens does that how do they shoot that like what are the camera shots on that like it is all off screen and implied okay and when they the only thing they really show from like that event is kevin and allison in their bedroom upstairs getting ready for bed and kevin hears something you know sounds like a break and oh somebody's somebody's in the house and he grabs the gun which ironically he has because patty and allison tried to bury the gun that they found on their crime spree up in (laughs) vermont and again like everything always comes up kevin yeah every no matter what for some reason this guy is you know this seemingly loser is somehow also a winner right and they, it's even interesting how they set that up like a few episodes earlier where they were out digging with a metal detector and like, oh, the get rich quick scheme didn't didn't pan out. And then that's how they find the gun. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. He always he always wins somehow. So he has the gun and he goes downstairs. And then I think that's like the end of that episode. And then the next episode opens with like her being interrogated by the police. And you think, oh, Kevin got shot or maybe that one. Maybe that one starts like that and it goes through the whole episode going back and forth between her interrogation right. and that. And you don't know until the, I don't, and I don't think you get the full reveal. You kind of get where it's going, right. but I think you don't get the full reveal until the next episode. Got it. Yeah. That it's Kevin who shot the burglar and yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that spoiler alert, by the well, way, I mean everybody. the whole thing. Yeah. We've been, <laughs> if that wasn't assumed at this point, I think it's a very, surprising show to me i mean again i i didn't have high expectations for it until you sort of gave me this the don't don't judge it on its cover it's different than you think um so we kind of hear where what is the trajectory now like where do we go from by the end of the season kevin is still alive he's considering uh running for city council is that what it is i didn't even get like because it's so stupid that he just says i'm running for office and i thought i i kind of like thinking of it in the way that he just thinks you can say that right and that means you're on some sort of ballot well and i think too well and of course that's will be i'm sure that will be a point of contention in the next season right like he can't run for office so does allison have to help him in his campaign like what does that look like and does she see yeah. it as a way to somehow gain some sort of control maybe by publicly humiliating him who knows because she does finally stand up to him right in that last episode she uh she says you're just a dick and she leaves his little campaign event right and uh he doesn't care yeah <laughs> because something else she says becomes his his campaign slogan you're the everyday winner or something like right. that and and then of course you know the 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 relationship between allison and patty gets tested as as again as allison becomes more and more sort of involved in this world of of dark dealings so to speak but by the end patty comes in and saves her and they you know they the the season ends with them holding hands do we interpret that as a romantic gesture or just as a like friend protection protector gesture or maybe that's ambiguous for a reason i don't know i think it's yeah i think it's meant to be ambiguous because throughout the throughout the season about throughout the second half of the season patty is sort of exploring her sexuality right. and she gets in she kind of accidentally gets into a relationship with the with the detective right. who she thinks is like trying to like keep an eye on her and stuff by like inviting her to a, a police function 
but it's really more of she asked her out on a date yeah in like a social event and then they just kind of they kind of start dating so then you're so then you're like okay so patty you know is fluid in that sense because she has a a a boyfriend at the beginning of it but yeah so i i think it's meant to be ambiguous and they they kind of dropped that there in that last episode that uh what's the name of the detective tammy yeah she's jealous of allison and their friendship well and and you know allison asks her to dig into tammy's police notebooks to figure out like what she knows about yeah about the crime about you know or or the potential crime what's going on that's a big betrayal and of course that you know the conflict near the end is set up that allison kind of put a, like created a position in which patty was going to owe her and yeah. how like and how I, could i say no to you like after that like you protected me you kept this bad thing from happening and now like how am i going to say no yeah you haven't seen the episode but i think they do another good job in, in that sense where you don't feel like it's just uh let's say all the things we did so somebody can overhear us you right. don't get that sense the argument does feel organic uh, yeah and then she walks into the kitchen and it turns into the sitcom lighting and you're like oh oh no what's gonna happen now and then everything that we describe and there's even this moment where where you know neil kind of is like i heard everything you said and they like start to play it like oh maybe he didn't maybe this is just another goofy sitcom or maybe because he's kind of supposed to be the dumb one maybe they right. can play it off like oh we were just joking and he's like ah you guys and then he tries to strangle her <laughs> and it's like and it's suddenly like oh no this is even as we discussed like this is even more horrifying because it's shot like your sort of run-of-the-mill sitcom yeah yeah we talked about the break-in scene yeah. and then obviously at the end and you know it's common to have cliffhangers at the end of a season for sure i think this show does a really good job of leaving you wanting more and now all the episodes are out so you could just binge it but yeah. i really did enjoy watching i think episodes four four through eight weekly yeah over the last month or so uh i thought it was a some shows are nice to kind of sit and you know Think digest about. on yeah a little bit and we i know it, I, I like binging shows too but you miss a little bit of taking in the message sometimes of the show when you get that so if you were somebody who was going to binge this you know definitely binge because it's not and it's not cringe but maybe take a one episode a night Maybe not try to watch all eight on a Saturday right in a row. I think, too, it, it this is a show where, okay, let's talk about a show like Breaking Bad or, um, I don't know. There are shows the Sopranos. Where, where if you, you get more out of them by watching the back-to-back because there's so many little references, right? Like there Game are of things, Thrones would be a good one for Game, that. Game of Thrones is kind of, you know, I don't, you there's like... If you don't kind of watch them back to back, there might be things you legitimately don't understand or miss. Um, yes. This show, while it certainly has some of that, we I mean, we talked about the, the little things that they drop that pay off later. I feel like you're right that it's better to it's sort really of It's really only got on. seven to eight important characters, so you're never losing track of like, that's the big thing with some shows. You're like, wait, why is this guy mad at him or who's this yeah. guy? The show, there's only so many people to keep track of, and I think that's something that you don't fall into. You know exactly who the character is when they when they show up on screen. And, and I will say, I, I mean, I kind of had to, to pile the episodes in quickly because I knew, you know, we had a deadline and I wanted to be able to talk about them. Um, I had the experience with this show that I had with Breaking Bad where 
I couldn't watch more than one or two episodes of Breaking Bad without needing to take an emotional break. <laughs> yeah. And this show gives you a little bit like of a relief from that with the with the sitcom portions of it because it is so ridiculous. Although, again, that just becomes like garish and cartoonish and and especially as the in its season own goes yeah. on yeah um but yeah, I, I, I sort of binged the first three episodes but then had to take breaks in between the other ones just because that's when they were premiering and to me that's a sign of a really good drama when you can't emotionally handle watching them back to back to back to back to me that says something about the writing where i i admire that i liked if i'm watching a drama i want to feel all the things even if they're like hard feelings to have Mm -hmm. um, or discomfort or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. So I think it is good. Uh, yeah. Sort of dogpiling on your point. Watch this show. I intend to watch this show now from the beginning and all the way through, but I do think it's good to plan on giving yourself a little pits, little breaks along the way to digest and to yeah. sort of, you uh, could probably get through yourself. two yeah. if you really wanted to push it, but yeah, you don't, I don't think this, I don't think this should be your Sunday morning, turn on and watch for with more yeah with, or well whatever. exactly or like yeah precisely. while you're clean while you're vacuuming <laughs> or doing whatever yeah, this exactly. is not i wouldn't recommend that for this show one last thing yeah. i do like about it and it's not this isn't really a narrative thing or any really construction this show shoots cold really well yeah and it's funny because sitcoms i would have i would attest famously shoot cold terribly right because it's all on a soundstage still and oh just just put your arms around your shoulders and pretend you're shivering and we'll we'll put some fake snow but when she's outside and she's walking around you can really feel the the cold of boston and it's yeah. it's that it's that set in winter where it's not snowing so there's a little bit of melt so the ground is wet and the <laughs> there's a sheen to the to the the snow and i don't know i really like that when you watch a movie and obviously it's been the summer right now while i've been watching this or a tv show rather yeah. than a movie um and you you feel cold along with the characters and that's something that i've always liked when they they capture the essence of cold well i i agree with that wholeheartedly and, and as you said i mean that's the difference between the way that it, the intentions of a sitcom and things like that where like it can get away with it because it's supposed to be funny but yeah when you're in a serious show that's the kind of thing that can take you out of immersion real fast um mm. that you know it's good to find a way to get around so to sort of circle back i mean this this breaks the mold of the sort of binge or cringe model where one of us tries to convince the other but um that should tell you that it's worth going out and checking out and like getting into and yeah it's eight episodes they're 44 minute episodes it's not that hard to watch a season of it like uh so just you know go for it and quit complaining <laughs> Yeah, try to fit in an, an episode, uh, you know, a night roughly for two weeks and you'll blow right through it. Exactly. So uh, let us know if you've been watching uh, Kevin Can F Himself, what your thoughts were. Are there any sort of uh, nuances or little th throwbacks that we missed? Because that's to me the, one of the best parts of watching a show is like catching those references and getting to feel a little bit smart. Um, is there anything like that that you notice that you want to point out to us? You can tell us by reaching out on Twitter. Our handle is at nerdassoc. That's N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can also reach out to us via email if you want to, uh, you know, Give us some ideas for what you'd like to hear us talk about or even come on and be one of our nerds. That is nerdassoc at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week.